Hello, hello. Hello. May the fourth be with you. Thank you. <laughs> if you weren't going to say that, I was. <laughs> Good. We didn't. Need, that wasn't even planned. We didn't even talk about that. How simpatico are we, mm. brother? Um, <laughs> although this Dodgy won't be sense of humour aside. Yeah, we're not actually going to release this until May the sixth. Okay. I think. So, anyway, we hope you had a great May the 4th, mm-hmm. whatever that means. As well as a great Taurus eclipse. Mm, intense. Moon. Yes, it was. Um, this is the Turning Signals podcast, and this is a professional, structured introduction. It's the podcast where we talk about cultural events in a holistic sense, incorporating astrology. Philosophy, psychology, sociology, Scientology. No, <laughs> you mentioned Scientology <laughs> in like a Facebook post. Um, we wouldn't rule it out. Look, I, I googled Scientology, Scientological perspective mm-hmm. and it returned that the philosophy of Scientology is part science, part spiritual. That's as oh, far as I went. Yeah. That was like, oh, that that's doesn't nice. sound so that's, bad. Yeah. But I think it gets dark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, it sounds pretty weird. Yeah. But yeah, I'm no authority. I know nothing. I know nothing. That's right. Uh, all right. So, things this week. We're going to talk about. Mercury retrograde, which mm-hmm. we're in the shadow zone of Mercury retrograde. Yes, Mercury is in evening star mode and has was um, at its highest point in the evening sky. That is the western evening sky just a few days ago and now has begun to drop in preparation for stationing retrograde on the 11th. The 11th. Is that always what happens before the retrograde at Okay, yeah. Yes, in terms of like the evening maximum elongation is what it's called. Right. Yes. And then the retrograde is um, the appearance of moving backwards through the sky. Yes. That? So it's just an optical illusion from the geocentric point of view, the right. position, our position on Earth and as Earthlings. It creates many things, among them an opportunity to. Be led by Mercury in his psychopomp role of traversing territories unknown, um, but in a less lofty kind of a sense, it can cause troubles with communication breakdowns, tricky tech issues, pooties, mm, snafus. <laughs> No, that's not right. Is it not? What is a snafu? <laughs> Situation normal, all fucked up. I oh, think yeah. that's where we live. Okay. In snafu town. But um, in terms of, yeah, kind of, um, I guess they're like unsolicited, unsolicited little delays and difficulties. But to me, that always spells opportunity to slow down or shift focus or... Mm. Reprioritize or, yeah, just stop pushing. 
What do they say? You shouldn't um, sign contracts during mm, Mercury, so Mercury retrograde? <clears throat> that was the line for a very long time. Mm. I think it's been certainly tempered by different voices in astrology or at least different voices that I hear now. Um, one of the most intelligent people who wrote a book on Mercury, I think it came out in 2018, is Gary Caton and his work's well worth looking into. Um, he's writing a series of three books and only the first is available to my knowing but um, it's very, it's a lovely little book. It's a small book but very rich and um, yeah, Mercury, I don't think he, I'm pretty sure he talks, tells the story about having started his very successful podcast under Mercury Retrograde, which textbook astrology would suggest that is not a good idea. Mm. And yet he's the man who's written the book on Mercury and he did exactly that. So yeah, there are many different schools of thought and ways of looking at Mercury Retrograde, but I tend to look at it from a much more like a deeper kind of meaning, I guess, Mm -hmm. not just mere inconvenience, which is what it often gets limited to and dismissed as. Mm. And I think Mercury is often, and the signs that it rules, Gemini and Virgo, are often like minimized and dismissed as a bit like meh, but it's not like that at all. Mercury is the planet of the mind and everything comes via the mind. So, and our perception of the world, as we've spoken about before. So, yeah, there's, I love Mercury. And as as a god, you know, he's the messenger of the gods. He can traverse the terrain, all the terrain from Mount Olympus to our realm to the underworld, coming and going as he pleases. And, yeah, um, Jason Holly, who's another very gifted astrologer, talks about um, Mercury arrives on the scene when the story gets stuck. So things can sort of go a bit weird during Mercury retrograde, certainly, um, but that potentially can shift things in a more meaningful direction or allow for some development or even like resolution that wasn't possible before or, yeah. I think it's a very rich time potentially if we kind of shift our gaze to be a little bit more open to possibility rather than just being like eye-rolling and uh, frustrated by the lack of linear advancement or whatever that we're always kind of looking for from an egoic point of view. Mm. Yeah. I've always found it kind of useful to, um, during the time, the phase of Mercury retrograde, to be aware of it and then you can kind of blame and scapegoat. Yeah, brilliant. Things. Yeah, totally. Which is always like useful. (laughs) (laughs) I see a lot of that. Hey, um, I wanted to start with a quote because um, even though we already started 10 minutes ago or whatever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but because it's the sun in Taurus and the moon's in Gemini today, although it won't be by the time everyone's listening to this, but um, Freud had sun in Taurus and moon in Gemini and he said, most people do not really want freedom because freedom involves responsibility and most people are frightened of responsibility. So, yeah, and in terms of that, I just want to say I think I'm sorry for suggesting that COVID was over. 
because COVID's not over. <laughs> and um, yeah, just to make a little amends for that, um, I want to acknowledge that many people continue to be affected by vaccine mandates, ourselves included, hey Liam. And um, like you're out of work because of vaccine mandates, mm. so is my partner. Yeah. Um, you know, lost your jobs because of it. I did too, but I'd given up my day job a long time ago, really, at least psychologically had let it go. So when I had to let go of being a nurse um, permanently, more or less permanently because of the vaccine mandates, I um, I was already kind of okay with that. Um, but many people have, yeah, lost their jobs and livelihoods and perhaps worse, their health as a result of serious adverse events. I suppose, vaccines. yeah, I mean, I, to take up that point that COVID's not over, mm. um, I suppose in, our, in that last episode where I may have made that claim, mm. well... It, I did too. So I, I mean, I was coming from a place that was a little bit cynical and in that, you know, the all of the kind of panic, drama, spotlight and like rhetoric around... Yeah, COVID relentless is, case counting. It seems to be over for the most part. Yeah. So, yeah, as as we mentioned then later in that episode, you know, there's teachers losing their jobs yeah, on the right. East Coast. Yeah. For, I guess and, I just wanted yeah, to... Yeah, it's not something that... And to say it's over, it's like it'll be back any second. So, yeah, it's. I feel like in saying it's over, you know, at least let's take a breath and like take an opportunity to reflect on that peak, that time, that yeah. COVID era. Yeah. But as absolutely. Schwab said, we're living in the COVID era. It's yeah. not It's not over for them. It's not over, no. Um, yeah, I guess I just wanted to shout out to people because we went to the rally in Bunbury on the weekend, which was pretty well attended and it sort of felt to me like it's not over. It's and the I, Freedom Rally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the local freedom community rally, yeah, um, tended well. And also um, guest speakers, Rod Cullerton and is his name Graham Hood? I think so. I don't know. They're nationalist politicians. Know. Well, he's not a politician. He's just a pilot who lost his job. Oh, is that him? Yeah. And then became a spokesperson for a... Yes, indeed. Yes. Mm. So there was plenty of God bothering, but... um. As well as that, it was sort of evident that there were there are a lot of people affected and um, yeah, sort of moved to action, which is a good thing, a good positive sign. Freedom Casa Bucko Five. Is that all? Yeah. Bargain. It just when you were talking about Freud's, like comments on freedom i i definitely agree with that idea that a lot of people don't you know with freedom comes responsibility there's another quote about freedom requires eternal vigilance yeah i think that's thomas jefferson that's um the the cost of freedom is eternal vigilance yeah Yeah. it just reminded me of the south park song freedom costs a buck oh five well it's it's not south park it's from um the team america Oh, World I should watch that again. <laughs> God, they're funny. 
Freedom isn't free. It costs folks like you and me. And if we don't all chip in, we'll never pay that bill. Freedom isn't free now. There's a now there's a have to hook and fee. And if you don't throw in your buck oh five, who will? Ooh, buck oh five. Freedom costs a buck oh five. <laughs> Tote. I love that. I mean, and, yeah, <laughs> like, it, it is. And a bit like that was said at the rally the other day and he talked about, I think he mentioned, like referenced Braveheart. Like you've got to fight for freedom, right? It's not just given to you. <laughs> yeah. It and seems that that's true. I think that is true. And I think our, like perhaps especially like our generation and – perhaps the one before too so i'm talking like boomers boomers who i think of as pluto in leo generation yes. yep. and then pluto in virgo generation after them and us pluto in libra generation mm. going on to pluto in scorpio sag and now the kids of now um pluto in capricorn those kids those pluto in capricorn kids are going to have a very different view on the world than the preceding five generations sort mm. of had so it's it's cool it's things shift and change and um yeah i think we do have to fight for freedom like i think we have to take it seriously not for granted is yes. more the point yes hey? like, I and we agree with that. we definitely have taken it for granted to a damaging extent <laughs> yeah is damaging the right word i don't know we're just too complacent Yep. We've been too indifferent for too long. And so, yeah, I liked being at that rally the other day, even though there was definitely too much God bothering for my taste. But, um, yeah, I I like it. I like... Um, it is great to see folks united under a su- such a belief. Yeah. As, you know, there was really response to that comment. Yeah. That freedom... Like that you've got to fight for freedom. Yeah, and that that's what we're actually doing as part of the resistance. We are fighting for freedom. And even though that's mocked by people who don't understand um, the dangers that we're facing, um, and understandably, I think they're wrong to mock us, you know. And we walk down the street and before we start marching, there's like a bit of a pep talk, you know, like be loud and proud and... Mm. So I try to do that, you know, and even though I feel a bit sheepish and backward about doing it, but it was good to just go outside my comfort zone and be noisy and um, look people in the eye because you walk down the cafe strip and the people sitting in the cafes and the restaurants hate you so much. Yeah. And you are such an inconvenience to them. Yeah. And their pleasant lunch. I think it's so useful kind of considering it from that generational perspective. Like I, I love to kind of do this uh, as maybe a thought experiment. But if you've got like a generation that were literally engaged in like World War Two, Yes. And then they gave birth to, you know, all of their kids, mm. which were raised protected mm. from the horrors of war yes. but also with the inherent trauma yes. that you know their parents like Scarcity our granddad yeah. like died as a result of like being affected by the war yes. so there's trauma intergenerational yeah. but 
there's this kind of, you know, this generation essentially, for want of a better term, there's like they're spoiled a little bit yeah, in yeah. that they're they're sheltered mm. from atrocity from reality of mm. and then they pass that on to like their kids which is like us so like we we are really spoiled because yeah. we've been so protected yeah. and particularly in Australia where we've had you know a very supportive government that's been very generous with mm. tax money towards i mean they've they've overtaxed us but as a result you know we've had you know, great benefits and, and never Free really a education. cause for concern. Mm. It reminds me of um, the Dinesh D'Souza book that I read late last year, The Big Lie, mm. where essentially he argues that like fascism, tyranny, like it never went away after any war. It's never gone anywhere. It kind of shrinks back into the corners, mm. waits in the wings yeah. and is just always persistent. I think that's so important to So look I mean, at. the fight is real. Like yeah. the struggle for freedom is genuinely real yeah and if we don't engage with it what's going to happen it, and it's insidious like yeah. it comes and erodes our rights yeah. without you know announcement and it happens slowly yeah. and people commonly use and they they use it broadly the idea the um the concept of the the frog in the boiling water mm. that the water just exactly. gets hotter yeah. and hotter and until you don't, you don't notice. notice yeah before you're cooked that actually leads me into what I wanted to talk about this week. Great. We'll come back to Mercury retrograde, won't we? Yeah. I have plenty more to say, but yeah. Um, so the US Ministry of Truth mm-hmm. has finally opened its doors. Thank goodness. Now we'll know what to think. <laughs> so it's real. Um, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> the Can department. You believe well, it? So the Ministry of Truth, that's Hello, I haven't read nineteen eighty four. Haven't you? No. Leah. I know. <laughs> yeah, well can you bring it over? I'll read sure. it. Sure. <laughs> yes, I can. I, I feel like I it's the book that I need to read right now. Oh Liam, you'll be mind blown, mate. Mm. And same with um Aldous Huxley, Brave, Brave New, New World. World, yeah, that's also It's funny how like it occurred to me while I was at uni, like doing my undergrad sociology how much like writers both in like fiction writers and like philosophers sociologists they would have these concepts and ideas that would absolutely just be like like the ruling class would be like oh good idea we'll write that one down <laughs> like, <they're> just, <laughs> like Orwell like it's like how did Orwell know what was going to happen it's like well, he just came up with good ideas. It wasn't like he knew. Well, it's interesting. Hold your thought for a sec while I just say that. um, So his brother, I believe, was part of the initial eugenics. um, So there was an organized... Oh, now I'm going to muck up because I can't remember. Oh, UNESCO. Oh, yes. So there is like an interesting connection there in terms of like that eugenics piece that is arguably a part of what we're seeing in the world now. And George Orwell's kind of, um, I guess he kind of had a heads up in a way. Mm. But he was a very good person, as was indeed his brother who was part of like a, I think he was like a founding, like a part of the formation of UNESCO. Mm. I could be wrong about that, but that's the impression that I'm left with. Um, Yeah, so there is that as well, that he sort of had um, 
an informant of things to come to some extent. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess it was both. Like it was his kind of well, imagination. Hey. But it, it's kind of following a line of logic in a way. True. It's like, you know, surveillance. Um, I'm not sure when Foucault. Oh, it wasn't even Foucault. The Panopticon. Oh. Do you know this? No. Okay. Give me one sec. I'm just going to look up. The Panopticon is a disciplinary concept brought to life in the form of a central observation tower placed within a circle of prison cells. It was um, a system of control designed by the philosopher and social theorist Jeremy Bentham in the 18th century. Okay. I think Foucault took it to you know, the 20th century right. in that it, as a concept, it's like the self-policing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what is the modern day panopticon? Well, it's CCTV, right? So it's the, the appearance of cameras in public mm-hmm. and, you know, those signs that often accompany those cameras that say you may be observed. And it's like yeah. those cameras, most of them aren't actually hooked up to anything. Right. They just exist there because yeah. that regulate it's, it gets people to police their own behavior. Mm-hmm. So the panopticon in the center of the prison, prisoners don't know if they're being watched, right. but they have to be on their best behavior Just because they could be being watched mm-hmm. at any given time. Yes. So as a theory, like it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is that you kind of follow a line mm. and like, where does it, mm. you know, what are, what are, you know, tyranny is not new, no. but how would tyranny kind of manifest itself in like, 1984 mm. when you're writing in like the 50s mm. did we know when he was writing yeah uh i think it was before the 50s that yeah. that was published because i've listened to an interview that i think to oh 1949 it was published oh, 49 yeah mm. anyway yes it's worth visiting revisiting yes i i will okay so back to the ministry of truth so mm. The Department of Homeland Security have created the Disinformation Governance Board. So it, it's a terrifying a board that exists within the Department of Homeland Security, which is interesting because, you know, Biden's constant claims that the biggest threat to democracy is terrorism within the US, okay. which they point at white Republicans or like Trumpists. Okay. MAGA, I, MAGA I, gang. I gotcha. They've yeah. never once like kind of pointed the terrorist finger at like Antifa mm-hmm. or BLM. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so it'd be racist. Exactly. So um, secretary, the secretary of Homeland Security, I believe Alejandro Mayorkas said that the board would be used to counter Russian cyber and election misinformation. Okay. So that's like the official line is right. that it's to counter Russian misinformation, <laughs> which, you know, it's interesting because at the same time, the US are taking measures to correct the information within Russia as mm-hmm. well. So it's about controlling narratives. Yes. Duh. Um, so the board's executive director is Nina Jankovitz, who is a Democrat. She supported efforts to crack down on coronavirus misinformation um, and denied reports around the Hunter Biden laptop, (laughs) saying that the laptop was a 
quote, Trump campaign product. In a tweet following her appointment, she said the board was established to maintain the DHS's commitment to protecting free speech, privacy, civil rights, and civil liberties. Also this week, Stanford University rolled out Barack Obama to give a speech where he called for greater censorship of social media. Yes, I was aware of that. Um, What else have I got? FBI Director Christopher Wray spoke in April on 60 Minutes about the disinformation threats from Russia. You know, wouldn't have anything to do with the fact that there's like actual neo-Nazis like leading the war effort in Ukraine. Yes. I mean, that's apparently that's disinformation. Mm -hmm. As I saw in The Guardian this morning, the West denies that. Even um, though it's absolutely verifiable. Evident, it's verifiable, yeah. <laughs> it's historically like completely accurate. Dating back to World War II, yes. Uh, Homeland Security is now policing speech as a priority. So I kind of thought maybe, is that a response to like Twitter being purchased by Elon Musk? And, you know, he's saying that, it's going to be essentially deregulated. Yeah. Um, also, the rise of the alternative sites like mm-hmm. Rumble and BitChute mm-hmm. um, and Trump's Truth Social, of course, which apparently is going huge. Wow, it's interesting. Like, it's like the biggest downloaded app in America. It's not, unfortunately, it's not available here in Australia right. yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to get it. I mean, oh, you'd have to have a the look. voices there are just so entertaining. I yeah. love. I honestly love like the Republican rhetoric. It's yeah, very it, entertaining. It is. And it's hard to, like, what disturbs me so much is how much I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, so, it's well, it, there's so, so much, like, <laughs> common sense in it. I know. And I, do, it, I love the way that the past couple of years have just upended my whole worldview in such a fundamental way. And I, feel, I don't know if I've ever actually explicated that here. And so I'm doing it now because... I feel like that has been a, a part of the point of the whole thing right. is to really, and it ties into this Mercury retrograde and it ties into the eclipses through um, 2020, 2021 um, in Gemini and Sagittarius when the North Node was in Gemini and all of this sort of started to come to the fore of the public discussion Mm. and then was censored you know like it these themes are super dominant and super pertinent to that so um yeah i'll talk about that when when you're ready well i'm almost ready i've just got a bleedingly obvious statement to finish my my research bits um controlling information is controlling thoughts yeah so yeah i mean that's bleedingly obvious and obviously it's worth saying though well, I think it's worth like reminding myself, ourselves, whatever, yeah. that you kind of generate thoughts based on your inf- the information you have, right? Yes. Like the majority of the West are like pro-Ukraine, anti-Russia because the constant feeding of information is that you've got good guy, bad guy. Yes. And of course, we're on the side of the supposed good guy. And it's similar to... The COVID situation where the vaccine is the right thing that to do. That is the saviour. Yeah. And so, you know, it's totally reasonable to kind of just follow that mm. and and believe it. And, and ex- like, to, to believe that these thoughts are your own. That you've Absolutely. been given the facts yeah. and you've 
critiqued them and tossed them up and you've yeah. come up with your own conclusion. Mm. I mean, that's that's the human mind and it's fine. But yeah, this is like the danger, of course, of like Certainly. having the the board of disinformation or whatever they're called. And I remember coming to my own awareness in myself around that as like Same. How, how I would hear like when I worked in operating theatres and we would have conversations at work with other nurses and doctors like anaesthetists and surgeons and various different, um, you know, supportive staff and it was like quite a wide-ranging kind of group to converse with about interesting issues of the moment Mm. and how um, I would notice first of all in myself how I would hear something that I agreed with, whether it was within like those four walls and listening to people talk or something that I'd read in the newspaper, like a newspaper that I liked at the time, like for example, The Guardian, which mm. I used to proudly read like yeah. voraciously or, yeah. you know, um, and the then parrot the shit that I would read in the opinion, you know, like the editorials and, you know, like I, I thought I was thinking for myself. <laughs> Can you imagine and gradually working with that person I, now? Like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, you know, like I used to, I I feel quite in a way I feel quite proud of who I was then because I had the courage of my convictions you know and I was relatively open-minded in the sense that I used to be quiet and listen to people but Mm. I also would inwardly roll my eyes a lot probably outwardly too and um, dismiss things out of hand purely based on my um, assessment of who that person was politically like right wing left wing kind of thing Mm. and because I was very at the time I was like a paid up member of the Greens yeah and fully believed in you know all of the associated shit that goes with that Mm. um not to say that I don't believe in you know preservation of the or conservation of the environment now but um I certainly do for the record but um yeah I definitely look at it in a very different way than how I did then and yeah just being aware of like how I becoming aware of how I was just parroting stuff and now I look back and go well I really wasn't thinking for myself at all then and it took me a good eight years of like taking time out from reading newspapers or like just stopped consuming news media altogether and that's what got me out of that headspace and now I'm ready to come back into it and we're doing this podcast and it's like I feel much more balanced and like a, an independent thinker more now than I ever have before. Yeah. Um, well, I think it the pendulum swings. Well, yeah, and that you should too. Allow yeah, it to, yeah. Like, Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I kind of am – I accept and I'm – I wouldn't say I'm proud, but I, I am grateful for my experiences with the far left. Yes. You know, and actually attending like – the anti-far Melbourne headquarters <laughs> and being involved with the Socialist Party in yeah. Melbourne. Yeah. Like that gave me a really good understanding of Marxism. Absolutely, yeah. And some great like experience in yeah. like kind of organising and seeing how uh, political parties kind of attempt to operate. Um, and now that I'm, you know, a, a hardcore conservative right wing... <laughs> I can take that knowledge and use it against them. Nearly <laughs> spat my tea into the mic. No, I, I feel like I am 
I'm relatively moderate, somewhat apolitical, because I certainly don't, you know, I'm not partisan. Mm. The idea of, uh, yeah, I mean, democracy is broken. We've got to um, do our election special, and I look forward to that. So, yeah, that'll be cool. But um, in regards to, should we go to Mercury retrograde? Yes. All right. So, um, as I said, Mercury now visible in the evening sky, close to the moon last night was quite pretty. Um, And, yeah, we're just to look, I think this Mercury retrograde has a lot to do with what I mentioned a few minutes ago about like the eclipses in Gemini Sagittarius um, between um, mid-2020 and January 2022, um, which of course through that time we saw the rise of mis and disinformation and the disinformation dozen so-called, um, <laughs> which is where I go for all my news and medical advice. Um <laughs> conspiracy theories and like the um the really like dominance of QAnon like the widespreadness of QAnon um censorship and like cancel culture seem to like peak um as well as like the obvious control of narratives as you mentioned before so um and one of the best terms I've come across that seems to capture it quite well is like context collapse like how we're as part of like culture wars and um what douglas murray refers to in his new book on um the war on the west um you know imagining that we can sort of restart the world without the context of the past Mm. which is seemingly where Some people want to go, you know, Mm -hmm. like imagining that like history can be erased if we tear down enough statues and all of that stuff. So, um, and in, yeah, anyway, that's just a tangent to mention Douglas Murray's new book, which is interesting. And there's lots of interviews available around the place at the moment because he's, um, yeah, it's just come out like a week ago or something. But in that time as well, like the zealotry, and fundamentalism got really intense in terms of like tribalism and identity politics and all of that stuff that was so divisive. Um, And it came through the COVID lens with the vaccination issue that came on board around the same time. So when vaccines became available at the end of 2020, and I was shocked and horrified at the timing of that with the Sagittarius new moon eclipse in terms of what what it would mean and it it really did it it really has developed as such a a meaningful part of the story in terms of like morality like the idea that the moral high road is to roll up your sleeve and have a vaccine that's experimental Mm. um uh, but that's not been acknowledged in mainstream media as being experimental or by governments they just mandated it and um I find that so, uh, if I can just say for a yes. moment, like I, I I, will not forget that. Well, I, and I that's why I'm talking about it now. Again and again. Because I'm probably like, FYI, depending on what's happening in the next couple of months, I am absolutely going to get experimented upon. Right. <laughs> I'm going to roll up for okay. Australia and yep. get the um, AstraZeneca. Sure. Is that what it's called? Oh, no, the, the Novavax. Well, yeah, there are issues with Novavax, well, just saying. Yeah, but yeah. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when sure, we get to sure, it. Sure, just saying. But um, what I will maintain is that like, 
I'm not getting vaccinated. I'm getting experimented on. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I know that. And that's, it's important to face that. Yeah. That that's what was mandated was a genetic experiment. Yes. Not a vaccine. Yes. And they changed the definition of vaccine in order to fit the new technology that was being <laughs> rolled out to the population worldwide. I just want to <laughs> quickly, you could also say like pff, genetic experiment. Oh, sure. You know, like, yeah. no, it's a vaccine. Like, yeah, yeah. It's I'm like, sure. well, if we, we, yeah, I mean, maybe this is not the right time to go into it, but a vaccine is like a, an inoculation with a virus, right? Yeah, well, it's a, it, like it, a homeopathic kind of. Well, actually, it's interesting you say that, and we should probably come back to this conversation because I was talking to a friend, a mutual friend of ours, who has been learning about homeopathics and um, how they are completely different from vaccination. So I was under the impression that homeopathics and vaccinations sort of um, emerged at the same, a similar time in history, and that um, uh, homeopathics and the development of that as a mode of healing treatment option sort of preceded vaccination Mm. but actually they're very very different according to this mutual friend of ours so so yeah I've got some research and learning to do around that which I haven't yet looked into but yeah it is interesting Um, and of course you can dismiss so vaccines as I understand it you know they are intended to um, cause an immune response mm. by introduction of the or a version of the disease, you know, the virus, for example, that you're trying to provide immunity to. Yeah. So you do that by, you know, inoculating the person with a small amount of that particular substance or a version of it, and that allows for the body to then later if it's exposed to that pathogen or virus it can recognize it and mount an appropriate immune response that will stop symptoms from appearing you can see the appeal yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah 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 and i suppose then like if this um the jab you know arguably it kind of does the same thing right that it it Mm. provokes a response to it certainly does provoke a response (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's synthetic. <laughs> well, it's genetic, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's and genetic it, code, like instruction, right? So what it does is um, instructs the body to produce spike protein. Yeah. Um. So and in unknown quantities and unknown locations, and for, and unknown, for unknown periods of time. <laughs> so we think it's around six months that it um, kind of does that for. But if everyone's being boosted every four months or more often than that what does that mean and where is that spike protein going and i mean the issue is is that it's going into hearts of very very fit healthy people Mm. (laughs) that's one of the issues um among other it goes into the brain like it's causing problems so um yeah anyway i'm not a scientist and i'm not a you know i'm probably not qualified to comment at all but i do listen to some of those disinformation dozen like (laughs) robert malone who was you know instrumental in that technology coming into our possession so um a long time ago and he certainly advises against children having it 
ever. Mm. Like he categorically, and that was very much censored and um, demonised as huge disinformation at the time that when he came out and said, categorically, do not give this to your children. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I do follow him and people of his ilk, I yeah. must confess. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Anyway, I digress. Sure. Back to what you were saying. Uh, so, um, yeah, so I'm just going to go. So Mercury is the ruler of Gemini, as I said before, very at home in Gemini. Mm. Um, is so And functions very quickly, like the monkey mind jumping all over. Um, and Gemini too is like a social butterfly, you know, flitting from flower to flower and following all the things that interest it. Um, and so Mercury being in Gemini amplifies the busyness and hunger for learning and stimulation of the mind that Gemini so craves, you know, um, when Mercury goes retrograde, as I said, like those periods often dismissed as being like inconvenient, but they, and things certainly can and do go awry when Merc- Mercury's retrograde, but there is, there are ways to benefit from that. And um, we can kind of, allow ourselves to shift gears and allow for things to waylay us and like um, even distract us from where we think we need to go. So I think that's important to notice as Mercury now slows down in the sky and appears to sort of drop below the horizon um, over the next couple of weeks before, you know, aligning with the sun which will come on the 22nd of May, that is the Kazemi or when Mercury is in the heart of the sun. Um, And that's the interior conjunction. So Mercury makes two um, conjunctions with the sun during its cycle. This interior conjunction, as it's known, is when when Mercury is between the earth and the sun. And then at the sort of full moon point of its cycle, like the culmination point of its cycle, it's on the other side, of the sun from our point of view on earth like directly across yeah Yeah. so it's but it still is a conjunction it's called the exterior conjunction that one so and at that time mercury is direct in its cycle so yeah it's quite complicated but it's also quite beautiful and um you can imagine how the ancients saw it along with like the venus um retrograde cycle that's so beautiful too um mercury's tricky to spot in the sky and hence the like trickster aspect to the archetype. You can't, even though you know exactly where to look for Mercury, you can't always see him and he'll reveal himself when he wants to. Mm. And I say him, but I shouldn't because he's hermaphroditic. Like he's, um, what would you call that? <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Fluid. Fluid, yes, indeed. Fluid, that's good. Um Yes. So this year, the Mercury retrogrades are occurring in the transition between air and earth signs, which is important. So in January, we had Mercury retrograde from early Aquarius back into late Capricorn. This one from May into early June is in early Gemini back to late Taurus. Um, And then we have another one in um, Libra um, in September going back into late Virgo in October. So and actually this year we are lucky we get a fourth Mercury retrograde beginning on the 30th of December. That will take us into 2023. So that's – and that one will be only in Capricorn. And then next year the Mercury retrogrades will be all 
encapsulated within earth signs. So all of this stuff is like embedded in astrology and astrological understanding. And I know it's a bit technical, but I just want to point out that it does like astrology is rich and all of this stuff has significant nuance and meaning for us if we care to look. So I do care to look and that's what I'm trying to do and trying to translate it for everyone to some extent. So Mercury was the ruler of the lunar north node in that period, mid-2020 to January this year, 2022. Um, And so we saw all of that disinformation stuff that you're talking about coming to the fore and now it's developing. So into the realm of um, Taurus where the retrograde also um, takes place so beginning in at the end of Gemini sorry at the beginning of Gemini going back into the beginning of Taurus it's like looking at this territory of what's taken place as the eclipses um, with the north node in Gemini and now the new eclipses taking place in with the north node in Taurus mm. and so looking at what that actually means in terms of the collective and for us as individuals is really interesting because, yeah, as I was mentioning, like the fundamentalism and all of the morality that came into it in terms of the Sagittarian South Node when mm. when the eclipses were Gemini Sag. Um, yeah, so and none of that's really over, you know, but it's begun to shift into a new focal point with the True Node now in Taurus and the South Node in Scorpio and of course square to the saturn square to saturn in um aquarius so that brings in challenges of like fixity and oversimplification and you know and it and it's like rigid mental states you know and identification with certain ideologies and groups which we absolutely have seen building over the last couple of years and getting to this quite extreme point um and you know like it's only continued with the war like the ukraine russia thing has been a further like iteration of that same kind of theme so um the transiting nodes and their rulers are important to pay attention to because they indicate the energies that we can work with consciously at the time Mm. so when the true node was in gemini I was consciously seeking to prioritize and like counseling people to sort of cultivate curiosity and an open mind to consider as many possibilities as kind of came our way. But as well with the like mindfulness around the fact that that obviously casts a shadow because we can get totally swamped with really intense stuff. Like if we're really open, that will happen. And, um, yeah, so like QAnon, for example, like those theories that were really um, around through that time. I don't personally get into it, but I did look into it briefly during the eclipses in Gemini and Sagittarius just to be like to practice what I was preaching and to walk my talk and be open minded about that. Um, but conspiracy theories can get pretty far out. And I think, f- like for me, I came to the conclusion personally that. Um, it's enough to deal with the things that I can like digest to some extent and maybe that's part of the Taurus thing and uh, you know like the chewing the card like what can we actually digest what what are we able to take into our own um, embodied state and do something about because that's important hey um and like the troubles that we face with uh, like around elites and technocrats running the world and um, you know all of that and 
Bill Gates as the world's most revered philanthropist, like, who funds all the trusted health agencies now. Like, that's a reality that we face. Nothing to see here. Yeah, and the NGOs, like, the, those bloody... I mean, I just... I remember as a younger person being like, oh, I'd love to work for an NGO, and I even started studying, um, like, human rights and... Um, went back to uni to do postgrads in that kind of field because I thought I wanted to be part of that solution as I saw it at the time and and now I see how pervasive they are of like government policy and like mm. economies everywhere through the IMF and stuff like that it's like it's really intense yeah. um, and in, like Klaus Schwab and the Great Reset like that's perfectly verifiable and he's being advised by Yuval Harari, who is frightening in his agenda, like, Can and I... then yes. Oh well, I was just I'm just on a rant because because what <laughs> it all it all relates. Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to. Um, I, you said Schwab, and I I thought I'd try to work it in. I was looking just scrolling through Instagram the other night, and something uh, someone that I follow kind of posted this like cut of him you know, in one of his interviews, like mm-hmm. audience interviews. And he's talking about how good it's going to be when we have the chips in our brain. Wow. Because he said like... Recently? Yeah, yeah. I think it was like a like two weeks ago, this wow. talk. So he's saying... <laughs> good. <laughs> he's, um, I mean, it's not a direct quote, but very similar to like these words. He was like... It will be so good when I have the chip in my brain and I will know exactly how all of you are feeling when I say things. Like like that kind of fucking talk. Like he's like, I'm going to be able to read human emotion. Yeah. Which actually made me think like uh, quite a few things in that, you know, these people have you know, they're on the spectrum or they have, they're so like cut off from human emotion. Absolutely. It made me then think about your man Yuval, Noah Harari, Mm. who speaks of humankind with like a hatred. And then, you know, it makes me think like you've got these like, like violent actors in these like positions of immense power and they yeah. seek this power and they seek to do harm under the idea of like doing good for the human race yes. or whatever. Yes. But they, they don't, they, it's like they generally all don't consider themselves human. Like, yeah. and I thought about, um, well, it'd be interesting to look at all their Chiron wounds. Oh yeah. In the, you know, like it's, <laughs> To me, there's like a sadness mm. in if you're a person who has such hate for humanity that you want to, you know, think of Yuval Noah Harari in that interview that he gave where he's like, the human condition, it's over. Mm. Where we want, you know, we think, do we have free will? Who cares? It's over. That mm. conversation is finished. Like he's talking about with so much hate in his mm. face. Mm. And it's like, man, who hurt you? Yeah, yeah. Like you, yeah, yeah. these people are wounded. Absolutely. And they have not done any work yeah. to like become whole. Mm. They're just, it's like they need to kind of now control outcomes mm. and feel the hate. <laughs> Let yeah. the hate flow through you. 
Yeah, yeah. well, it is interesting to look at that. I, and I, I mean, Yuval Noah Harari's chart is right in front of me now. So he has got Jupiter on his Chiron in in his chart in Aries. So it will be his Chiron return in a couple of years. Um, and Did Jupiter like expands everything it touches. So quite a vast wounding, one mm. could suggest. <laughs> um, and yeah. that's the fourth house, is it? Oh, no. It's, it's I don't know his time of birth. Oh, okay. I, I'm just using a noon chart because right. I don't have a reliable um, birth time for him, only a date. So, um, yeah, but certainly we can come back to that at some later time because I really – am interested in that as an idea that they certainly are wounded and they certainly are coming out of that place and I think he he um conceptualizes um people humans as gods so in that um afterward chapter of sapiens he talks about I think it's even called um the humans who became gods or something like that mm-hmm. so yeah I mean he he really is um, hubris embodied, <laughs> you know, like he's very arrogant in his and very like um, deconstructing in his view on what it is to be human. So I like, I wonder about looking at him in terms of like Derrida and people like that, like even Foucault, like um, what what that would lend to conversations dissecting as he would do <laughs> like um his ideas about uh, and I don't even know if he calls himself a transhumanist but it seems inarguable that he that's what he is yeah um, I, I just thought it was interesting that you know you you do see these these silly men talking about you know that that Mark Zuckerberg like presentation on you know when he's like You'll be able to have real experiences. <laughs> you'll be able to get together with your friends. And He's use not your, even. you'll be able to gesture with your hands. It's like, what? yeah. Like I will, I, will I be able to like use my eyes to see? <laughs> like like it's so removed from the, the human experience, which we have not actually, you know, if we stopped you know, controlling minds, I think, like, we, I mean, we just don't have the experience of, like, investigating the potential of human beings organically. Yes. We haven't even gone there. No. I think we have gone there and we've lost it. And there again is the context collapse, you know, like, it's like in, like, for example, I'm not a, I'm not, a devotee of Plato, but I do appreciate what he's done for humankind um, and particularly like Western civilization, I guess. Um, and he, like the concept of like the cardinal virtues and um, in the conversation between Jordan Peterson and um, Douglas Murray promoting Douglas's new book, Jordan says, Quote, there's something about speech, in particular truthful speech, that is fundamentally redemptive, um, end quote. And like, therefore, freedom of speech, like he goes on to say, actually, that freedom of speech is like a cardinal value. And the other cardinal values 
um, according to Plato and like classical philosophy are prudence, justice, fortitude and temperance. And we've really lost sight of those things as modern people or postmodern people. It's like, and by our, um, this like what Douglas Murray terms the war on the West and this like rejection of Western culture, what he argues to be that, um, and I do tend to somewhat agree, although I haven't read the book yet, but I look forward to doing so and then being able to comment more properly on it. But, you know, we have lost, like we don't prioritise those proper virtues I and they are the, virtues. I like, would say it's not no accident. Yeah. It's well, part, of part of the plan. The design. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the systems such as the education system, yeah. they've been hijacked yeah. to, you know, dumb yes. down the population. And, I agree. And yeah. further, you know, I'm just looking at this quote here from George Orwell. The most effective way to destroy people is to deny and obliterate their own understanding of their history. Wow. Yeah, and, that's you know, so I, I think about that kind of sponsored, like somewhat state-sponsored, but certainly shadow government-sponsored terrorism from... Antifa, mm. the tearing down of all the statues, mm. you know, whether they be Abraham Lincoln who mm. freed slaves or like, oh man, I know. you know, it like it's knows. just like, no, fuck history, fuck yeah. the nuance, yeah. like forget the philosophy, forget that we've evolved beyond that because of that. Yeah. Let's just eradicate it. And it's like, well, when, where does that leave people? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, Yes, the past has violence and trauma and atrocities, yes. but it also has incredible wisdom. And if we do, we just throw that out, throw the baby out. Well, with the I think that's what's trying. I mean, uh, from my understanding of um, Douglas Murray's views on this is that's what he's saying is happening, and he doesn't even he doesn't think it's limited to like wokeness and the he's like it's not merely the woke wars it's no, been around course. long before wokeness existed yes. this like pervasive kind of um and like state sanctioned like um thing racism against whiteness mm-hmm. like that kind of thing um yeah has been a long time coming and i think like reflecting on even growing up it, like i feel like i have been like I have carried so much white guilt is I guess what I want to say and like I do feel ashamed of being a white person you do I do less so now that I'm more aware of what's actually going on in the world but at times it's been like a crippling kind of feeling Mm. and like the Jordan Peterson interview with him is really worth listening to because as you would I mean Jordan really gets in there and talks about that as you know as what it potentially is or his view on what it is and I think it's important like to talk about the hypocrisy I think it's also important to come to terms with our own guilt and like our lack of innocence as as individuals and as a culture um, in like complicity and things but then that can be taken and run with like and that seems to be what's happened with the culture wars Mm. is this like like how long are we supposed to atone for the sins of our forebears Mm. and it wasn't all sin like to imagine it that way is totally 
misrepresenting what actually happened. Of course, there was racism and, you know, sexism and all the other problematic prejudices that were inherent to the time, but they weren't invented (laughs) by white people and the West. And that is a really important point that, you know, like white people actually didn't invent racism. (laughs) Like there is a sense of, and I think like that's a part where I like depart from Douglas Murray's kind of thinking because he sort of acknowledges that his, um, he does see the West as he takes exception to the term superiority, but he does think that the West knows best, I think is what he sort of acquiesces to you know what but in terms of those plato like those classical philosophy virtues those cardinal virtues it's like yes because that's never been explicated by another culture in such a way before exactly that is part of our inheritance and our gift to the world potentially yes that is important i am sympathetic to that yeah i think that yeah the we must like value Europeans' contributions to all of the things that we enjoy now, including like brilliant philosophy. Yes, absolutely. And we don't want to lose that. Do you know what? I suspect actually that um, talking about like expanding and exploring humans' potential. I reckon that hallucinogens and kind of ritualistic like substance use Mm. has been partially responsible for the evolution of certain like civilizations. Well, I think that's a well-established theory as a like Paul Stamets, the um, psilocybin guy. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, that whole movement, um, his name escapes me now, but he works with Johns Hopkins University, Roland Harris. Mm. Um, he's doing heaps of research into psychedelics that was left alone after Timothy Leary completely fried his f- brain mm. in the 60s, you know, like as a as a founding person of that um, psychedelics movement and the positive potentials of it. And I think he said, like... Um, Oh, what's his quote? Like tune in, drop out, or whatever yeah. it is. Um, I've forgotten it now. Turn but on, tune yeah, in, drop, drop out. out. And I think that that's problematic. You know that attitude to the whole thing because we actually do have to be engaged with our society, um, yes. whether or not. And I know you're working on this yourself whether or not society actually exists or is just merely a construct, I think we actually have to act as though it does exist. Right. Because if we don't, what are we left with? Yes. Like if we don't have a society, it's anarchy. And although I do believe, as I was saying when the mics were off, like I do somewhat subscribe to the idea of anarchy from the point of view that I've always marveled at how people tend to do the right thing. Like there does seem to be an inherent goodness in most human beings Mm. that kind of designates that we will behave appropriately to being a part of a society like we sort of we are ordered by nature most of the time mm. and i think that's been exploited through the covid situation and throughout probably history 
all along it's mm. been exploited but it is a necessary part of functioning and that is a very saturn thing that we are dealing with now that you know saturn in aquarius of like being a part of a group and what part is that going to be mm. and will it be in awake conscious meaningful you know like creative positive part or will it just be a fucking squeaky wheel that like complains and drops out or whatever you mm. know like what part are you actually going to play here um i have a couple more things to say about mercury retrograde yes yeah, good um so i think i can basically come around to yeah this particular mercury retrograde you know in light of all that we've said around the eclipses and how this mercury retrograde might sort of bring some process of coming to consciousness around what we've just lived through in the past couple of years it might allow for some of that healing some of that reflection that you've been talking about Mm -hmm. um to the extent that we engage with that and you know that's just a suggestion it may not eventuate for each of us in that particular way but that is a possibility but I think you know it it is about needing to consciously slow down in like Taurus you know consciously slowing the mind and coming into the body and being face down on the grass and a source I looked at um Mm -hmm. said on May 22 when uh the Kazemi yeah uh, well, it said schedule a bath and turn off your phone on that Beautiful. day. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great because you can tune in at that time to, to um, yeah, the transmissions from Mercury in the heart of the sun and what, you know, and that is the seed. So that is simultaneously the end of the last cycle and the beginning of the new cycle. Mm. So it's a really, it's that's great advice. Although I might not go to the bath because it'll, so interestingly, it's at zero... <laughs> zero degrees of gemini that kazemi so the first degree of gemini so if if you know your chart and you know what you've got going on in gemini that could be interesting to tune into but um yeah like certainly mindfulness of some kind around so however that looks for you but yeah i'm my practice at the moment is face down on the grass literally like i'm doing taurus by being face down on the grass because and you can smell the earth you know Mm. like and you feel a bit like a cow Mm. like and that's cool (laughs) and i've even been like in like aligned with um the amazing work of um there's a podcast called the emerald and i think his name's josh shray and i've only come to it recently but he did this incredible podcast about the shapeshifter and so I've been consciously trying to like embody shape shifting and so like thinking of myself recently as like a bull and how it feels to be a bull. And when you think about a bull, it's like the absolute epitome of like virility and all they do is eat, right? They just walk around a paddock munching grass. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and, and they're just fertile, inc- like they're just a solid fertile like, yeah beast really (laughs) incredible to consider that it you know they're so solid and so they are they are an immovable object is one of the things you can say about taurus when they want to be and there's that stubbornness that can come up but in also in a perhaps more positive word might be like perseverance and determination and 
But yeah, I mean, sometimes it comes in handy to be an immovable object, hey? Mm. Like sometimes that's appropriate. And I, it just came into my mind too. Remember when we were working in Manjimup on the farm with Remo's family and I remember they had a huge bull and he had three sons and they were little boys at the time and these boys would just climb all over this bull. Mm-hmm. Like, and I like and I used to make me quite nervous because this bull was just freaking enormous and, yeah. you know, um, but they were just, it was obviously like safe enough. They were doing it and they did it all the time. So it was like a thing. But um, yeah, just as an image for the Mercury retrograde, because Gemini is really playful, you know, and um, and busy. And so there is that thing about being in the mind and being too busy, but allowing for the stillness of the bull and being in that place of like just munching your cud, like... <laughs> Yeah, digesting things. Mm. Um, as well, I just wanted to mention an amazing interview with Ian McGilchrist who wrote um, The Master and His Emissary, an amazing book. Um, and he talks about pushing too hard in one direction only to come back to the thing we're trying to escape, which is such a thing of like Mercury retrograde Um you know, we can get into this frustrated headspace of like, I want this to happen and we're pushing in one particular direction and it just won't work. Mm. Um, So just a bit of surrender is always a good thing with retrograde planets, just allowing what needs to happen to happen and allowing ourselves to kind of go with what's actually happening instead of just being determined and pushing Mm. and stubborn, which is the shadow, you know, too stubborn. Um, so, and this is certainly true in the microcosmic psychological sense, like, you know, not just in the collective where we can see it in people like Yuval Harari, who's like pushing in this sense of like transhumanist agenda and, and like Zuckerberg and Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab, they're all like, they're pushing this, uh, this hubristic agenda Mm. so hard on all of us, but in, in the psychological personal subjective sense we we can all try to deny and reject and disown and suppress an aspect of ourself um like pushing that down pushing in a direction towards i say love and light because that's my bugbear but (laughs) (laughs) it may not be that for you but (laughs) um, you know like pushing towards consciousness say um and it, it so the rest of it all that we reject and disown and suppress only retreats to our shadow and then it emerges like unsolicited in others or it rears its head in complexes when we like for example refuse to become conscious of our anger um what it's all about you know where it belongs how to express it meaningfully and positively you know like if we don't engage in that process then we just like repress it and it we get triggered and fly into a rage and it's completely beyond our conscious comprehension or integration or Mm. just as an example or we'll encounter it like that Aries Mars energy where we become the victim of another person's rage or anger or we're attacked or preyed upon in some way which I've got a funny story about that but I won't tell it today but um yeah we do need to own that kind of stuff Um, and it ties in as well to the Mars retrograde which is just around the corner really later in the year um which will be in gemini and then you know harken back to this time that we're living through now with the mercury retrograde um 
which coincides as well. Oh, no, I'll say that in a second. So the <clears throat> in the collective, the, the conscious pursuit of things like safety and equality and democracy constellate great shadows, not the least of which is hypocrisy, which we've talked about a lot today, not only here but in our Patreon Patreon exclusive exclusive episode, <laughs> yeah, where we talk about the war, um, and perhaps that's where series, which is also in Gemini at the moment, might come into all of this and like coming to terms with the guilt and the lack of innocence of our, you know, complicity or whatever we're doing, and that may also be a theme of the Mercury retrograde. Um, are we able to be the one who calls things out, like in the the Emperor's new clothes? Um, in that kind of way and then recognizing that that too has a shadow component to it where we who are we to call stuff out anyway (laughs) like do we really know and in terms of like letting go of knowing you know there's also that side of it so everything's nuanced and complex and yeah but it feels like um it in terms of looking back from you know the eclipses in gemini sagittarius coming into scorpio Um, Taurus it's like connecting with the south nodes shift from Sagittarius to Scorpio and also to Neptune through Pisces where people who think of themselves as being victims have like claimed their power like this is sort of in relation to Douglas Murray's book too um, and turned the tables which is like that anantiodromia thing that I've talked about before and Nietzsche... Just define that again. So it's like things turning into their opposite. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. So, yeah, in this situation, it's like these people who um, identify with having been oppressed, like Black Lives Matter. Okay. Kind of... Or like LGBT. Yes, yes. And then they reclaim or claim their power and turn the tables on their oppressor kind of thing. Right. Um, So, yeah, and Nietzsche has a cool quote. He talks about um, like where justice and revenge are blurred and that too is something that Douglas Murray talks about a lot and Nietzsche says about distrust for all those in whom the impulse to punish is powerful. And I think that's really something to take away from all that we've been living through is like, and what we can see in the world now is like how how might we engage in that kind of a thing? And where does our justice, is it really justice that we're seeking or is it more like the scorpionic kind of revenge? Um, and it's easy to see like the posthumous shaming of people, like the, you know, tearing down of statues and mm. and tearing down of history itself even, you mm. know, like it's, and it's ridiculous, as we said, for people to really believe genuinely that the West has nothing positive to offer, like, when there's so much. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it all, it all ties in and I could probably keep talking for a long time, but we're probably just about out of time, aren't we? It's yeah, we're getting up there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um Yeah. Is there something you wanna um leave us with? Well, I'll say I have been enjoying learning a bit of more about Ralph Waldo Emerson. Okay. And listening to the Philosophize This oh, latest yeah. episodes. Yeah, they've really been good. good. Yeah. yeah. So um he was he had Sun and Mercury in Gemini. Mm-hmm. 
um, and was very wisely Taurian in many senses, even though he had no planets in Taurus, which is interesting. But he did have Venus in Aries and Venus in Aries is happening again now. Venus went into Aries a couple of days ago. so um, And he wrote meaningfully about self-reliance and I feel like that's very Venus in Aries as well as being quite Taurian. He talked about how we shouldn't sell ourselves short and trust our own intuition more and not looking always to external sources of wisdom and guidance and validation and mm. but to become our own authority and live a life of courage and integrity. I love that. It's, that's been quite like poignant for me of oh, late is like trusting your own intuition on yes, things. Like, I think it's so important and I think it's a big part of the North Node in Taurus and mm. what I'm trying to – I mean embodiment is huge for North Node in Taurus too and allowing our body to guide us. Even, you know, like if we have decisions to make, you know, like writing down um, – an idea, like just a couple of words or one word even, putting that on the wall and seeing how when we see it, our body reacts to that idea. Um, if it is like a positive sensual experience or a neg- like it just can be helpful practice. Mm. So those kinds of things I feel like are, are good for North Node in Taurus. And as we go through the eclipses in Taurus, and of course we're coming to the um, Scorpio lunar eclipse um, in under two weeks now it more will emerge in terms of what deeper meaning it all has in the context of our time and what it means for us all as individuals and in the collective but um, yeah Rolf, Ralph Waldo Emerson said adopt the pace of nature her secret is patience which I really liked yeah that's good and um Yes, it is Samhain or Halloween, the midpoint of autumn tomorrow. So uh-huh. something else to tune into maybe the veil between the worlds at its thinnest and we can perhaps, that's in the, I should say, that's in down under um, the southern hemisphere. Right, yes, of yes, course. And For our Japan listeners. Yes, <laughs> and we can maybe sense the spirit realm a little more at that time. And in the Northern Hemisphere, it's Beltane, which is like rebirth, spring. Good times. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> All right. Um, okay. Do you have a quote to leave us oh, with? Oh, that was really it. Okay. I could I could read from Eric Neumann's The Origins and History of Consciousness, if you like, but <laughs> yep. where are we up to? Oh, like an hour 20. Okay. Do you have a quote? I don't, but I'm oh. looking at some quotes here. Well, I can read this one because it does tie into what I've been saying. The splitting off of the unconscious leads on the one hand to an ego life emptied of meaning and on the other hand to an activation of the deeper lying layers which, now grown destructive, devastate the autocratic world of the ego with transpersonal invasions, collective epidemics and mass psychoses. For an upsetting of the compensatory relationship between conscious and unconscious is not a phenomenon to be taken lightly. Even when it is not so acute as to bring on a psychic sickness, the loss of instinct and the over-accentuation of the ego have consequences which 
multiplied a million-fold constellate the crisis of civilization, which is so where we're at. And he wrote that book. I think it was published in 54. Yeah. It's brilliant. I'm going to quote Timothy Leary. Oh. People have to go out of their mind before they can come to their senses. Oh, that's perfect for Mercury retrograde Gemini Taurus. All right. Yay. All right. Good chat. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Please go ahead and check out the Patreon if you're so inclined. We've got an uh, exclusive episode up there discussing the war, mm-hmm. whatever that war is. <laughs> um, yeah, and there'll be more content to come. Uh, we've got Instagram, Truth Signals. That's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> we have <Uh-oh>. Instagram, <laughs> it's Turning Signals Podcast. Turning signals. <laughs> we are at the turning and this is our signal. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll catch you next week. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Liam. Thanks, Zoe. Bye. Bye.